to the Love Life Church podcast and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. So let's do that as a, as a church, right? Y'all out there, everybody in here, let's recognize our responsibility to get this. Amen? John 14, verses 1 through 4 says this. Let not your heart be troubled. Now remember, we're talking dark times. We're talking times where things are ugly. Jesus is about to drop a bomb on them, but watch what he does. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I like that in the first place because people look at heaven, they see, you know, fluffy clouds and pearly gates. I don't know where that came from, but pearly gates. And that's about all they see. Oh, the little fat, fluffy angels with wings that have harps and arrows. Uh, They're not in heaven, but anyway, we'll move on. But that's the picture, and it's very sanitized. And it's like, wow, we're here in heaven. You know, like you're, you're not too thrilled about it. And when you hear Jesus talks about it. He's talking about mansions. Now, y'all know, I can tell you, we could all go to some neighborhoods where there's some mansions. I'm going to tell you what you're not going to do. Yeah, whatever. Take me back to the hood. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so what about that house? Y'all drooling when you see, you see all your favorite singers and all your favorite actors and athletes when they show their house. Y'all be going, oh my God, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. I need to be an influencer. (laughs) anyway so that's what you do you look at that and you say oh my gosh I would love I would love I would love to live there do we not do that and then when we talk about heaven everybody's like going what why I don't want to go to heaven yet it's gonna be boring especially young people they're going please don't talk about heaven why because first of all religion really screws the picture of heaven up. And who would want to go there in the religious view? No one. Only the religious and how they're going to act religious and wanting to go to heaven. But in all honesty, they don't want to go there early either. But when you start seeing the way Jesus talks about, we're talking, this ain't, you know, this ain't a, a, a place where it's vacant. And as far as you can see, there's nothing but clouds. It's not heaven. It's not heaven. Now, I'm not going to spend my time trying to get you engaged in, let's go to heaven real quick, because that's not my role. We're going to get there. Don't worry about it. Who cares when? He said, on earth as it is in heaven. My responsibility and my job, my place as a follower of Jesus is to get you to understand heaven on earth right now. I want you to get so heaven on earth minded that once you to get heaven, you're like going, yeah, I've been there a little bit already. Come on. You guys hear what I'm saying? It's not about, ooh, finally. It's about, no, nah, I was walking some of that already. People are getting saved, set free, healed, delivered. I mean, there was some heaven going on and it was awesome to watch it. Now we're all in heaven. We're all normal. We're all, everybody's good. 
So we get excited and let's get focused on these, this information. Amen. He goes, I go and prepare a place for you. He's telling his disciples, I'm going to be leaving you guys. I don't know about you, but you need to really think about this. You've been walking with Jesus for three and a half years. Your life sucked before it. And all of a sudden, here you are, a person that really had no vision of life. I mean, you, 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 you'd even go fishing and not catch fish. I mean, ooh, you're really good at that, right? Are you hearing this? And so here these guys, these guys, all these guys, their lives weren't filled with purpose and plans and destiny. They were just existing. Jesus comes on the scene and gives them purpose gives them the ability to transform and change not only their lives, but the world. Is that awesome? And so here they are being totally and completely moved to a different view of life. For three and a half years, they've seen heaven on earth. Three and a half years. And now Jesus is going, hey guys, I'm going to leave you. I would be freaking out. I would be, I would get with the 11, we kicked Judas out. I'd get with the group and I'd say, listen, we got to figure out a way to keep them here. I mean, we got to lock them up. We got to do something. What do you mean leave us? I mean, I'd rather just lock them in a house and we'll feed them and just have them talk to us for as long as we need him. But he's talking about leaving. I'm going to leave you guys. I'm going to go prepare a place. I'll come again. I'm going to come again. Don't worry about it. I'll be back. Now, <laughs> they didn't see that, and neither have we yet. But he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. It doesn't matter that he's saying that 2,000 years ago. It's a statement of truth. I will come again. It doesn't matter to any person that's received Jesus since then and have gone to heaven and not see Jesus come again yet. You know why? Because they're eternal beings either way. They got to see him before he came again. Doesn't matter. You're still seeing him. But what he's saying is my will and my life is, is I will be coming again. People think, you know, well, what about the rapture? Is he going to come again? Well, not, he's going to come, but not come back to earth. We're going to meet him up in the air. We'll come with him on the second coming, which is cool. That is going to be awesome. And just think about that. When we go up, we're just going to hang around for seven years and we're coming right back down here for a thousand. Woohoo! That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, you got to look at it correctly. What's seven years in heaven? When you're an eternal, it could be like that. But we aren't thinking that way, are we? No, because we are under the constraints of time. But in eternity, Lord Jesus. Whoop, we're back. And seven years went like that. And see, we don't think about that, but that's what you, wait, you need to think. Because you think seven years in eternity in heaven is the same? No, it isn't. But we can't figure that out yet. And that's a whole deeper theological discussion, which I won't get into right now. When I do my Bible Institute, I'm going to get into stuff like that and really enlighten your minds 
to dimensions and time and no time. And it'll be pretty awesome. But let's get to the message. So he says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to come again and I'll receive you to myself. Where I am, you will be also. Look, look, this is what he says. And where I go, you know. He used the Greek word, idu, idu. Where I go, you know, idu, which means complete knowledge. Pay attention. And the way you know, idu. Another word for know, the most used term is gnosko. Gnosko is a process of learning. A process of learning to getting to a place of completion, idu. So when you say, I know and not really know, you're actually using the word gnosko. You're coming in the process of learning. Idu is, I have knowledge, I know. He said to them, where I go, you know. The way you know, watch this, Thomas said, I love Thomas. Actually, I love all these guys. I read the way I perceive it in life. I don't read it Bible way or Christianese way or religiously way. I read it dumbed down to where I make a play in my head of what's going on and how I see through the character of these guys because I've been introduced to some of their silly ways, goofy ways. So he says, Thomas, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> Thomas isn't going, Lord, we actually don't know where thou is going. Lordeth Jesus. No. He goes, Jesus says, you guys know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. Thomas goes, Jesus, I don't have a clue where you're going. Now we're getting down to life, aren't we? Now we're getting down to how we look at things, how we see life. Amen. It becomes real now. I don't know where you're going. How, how can we know the way? What's going on, Jesus? You say, I don't know. I, you say, I know. I don't have a clue. Isn't that awesome? So Thomas is telling Jesus, what's up? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I like the way Jesus answers questions. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known, gnosko. If you had known, gnosko, me, you would have known Gnosko, my father. Remember what I said, the process of knowledge? He says, Thomas, if you would have processed what you've been watching, what you've been seeing, everything you've been looking at and paying attention to, you would know me. Well, why would Jesus say this? Because everything that they've seen and perceived brought them to a place of knowledge but their life and experience robbed them of the information. Is that awesome? See, there are a lot of times when you know. I know we want to play dumb a lot. You know, it, it gives us a place of excuse. But there are a lot of times when you know. 
But because of situations and circumstances in life, because of pressures and darkness, the point is, is listen, we got to start looking at something beyond the circumstance and situation we're dealing with. All right. This is something it's unfamiliar, which has caused so many different reactions that we didn't even know we would experience. Why? Because we've never dealt with nothing like this, nothing. And so when you start seeing this and you start experiencing it, it can give you the opportunity to lose what you used to know. Just like Jesus said, where I go, you already know. And the way you already know. Thomas says, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And that's what most of us would be doing right now on some things that we used to know. I, I don't know. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. Is it's time to rise up above what we're assuming is taking place and start living a life of what I know is taking place. And what I know is taking place is so vital and so important because I'm going to give you a secret of the end of the message. The world needs us more than ever before. And I'll prove that. But let's go on. John 14, verse 5 says this. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus goes on and explains to him about knowing me, knowing the Father. And he says, and from now on, you know him and have seen him, the Father. Why? Because you've seen me. Philip now chimes in. Okay, so we got Thomas. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Philip says to him, Lord, prove it. But I mean, honestly, please, please don't look at this as the Holy Bible. Look at it as life. There's no in the world because I can look at Jesus. And say, Have I been with you so long and you don't know me, Philip? You don't know me. He's not going, Philip. Haven't we been together long enough? You should know me by now. No. Jesus, I know there's no way. I know right now he's going, dude, are you serious? He didn't use dude. He used do death. <laughs> do death. Are you serious? Haven't you been with me long enough and you don't know this? Let's move on. This is awesome. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Are you kidding me? That's not at all what's going on. He's going, Philip, caramba. How can you say, show us the Father? I mean, gosh, you've been with me for three and a half years already, watching and hearing what I'm doing and saying. How can you ask this question? Show us the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Just in what he's saying. The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father dwells in me, does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. I love this part. I love, love this part. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. I love that part because that talks to us. 
in a great way. See, he says, believe me because you saw me and you walked with me and you lived with me. Well, that leaves us out. But then he says, believe me because of what I've done in and through you. Believe me because your life has changed because I've now lived inside you. Believe me because you've experienced a new birth. Believe me because you've recognized my goodness and mercy. And believe me because of some of the things that have happened in your life. Some of the prayers have been answered and miracles have happened. Believe me what for the works. In other words, don't be getting all saved and then come to a place you're like going, duh, start looking at the fragments of God's goodness in your life. Pay attention what he has done in your life. Pay attention how awesome he is because we serve a good God and he is still working in the midst of all this mess. We're just too focused in on the storm and he's out there walking on the storm. He's waiting for us to go, hey, call me out there, Jesus, and I'll come to you. And what's his word going to be? Don't do it, you'll drown. No. That isn't our Lord. That isn't our God. Remember, he says, I only say what the Father says. What does the Father say what Jesus said? And what does the Father say? Let's do a miracle today. Let's come on. Let's do a miracle today. That's what God does. He says, listen, they all know it's stormy. I know that everything around you is looking scary and ugly and nasty. But I'm out there walking on top of this mess. And if you ask, I'll call you out there in the peace in the midst of the storm. That is the Lord we serve. Are we going to look at the right way? Or are we going to look at a religious way? Are we going to look at it with truth? Are we going to look at it with, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. No, we got to look at it the way it was written for us to be set free, for us to experience it. You challenge only here, but how do you challenge? You challenge with your past, you challenge with your opinions, and you challenge with your truth, which is your belief system. Even if it's not true, it doesn't matter. To you, it's true. I told our interns um, yesterday, you know, a great bunch of young people that come here for an internship, just an awesome group of young people, 12 to 25, and then we got the other ages in here. The other young ones. And I was talking with them and I was just sharing with them about how we deal with issues in life based upon our belief systems, our labels of truth that we've created. Like I said, it's a truth to you, but doesn't mean it's true. It's just, it's your truth, your belief system. We have many, many, especially before Jesus, you know, we received Jesus and then all of a sudden, the truth or the information becomes changed, but we have such a difficulty in changing our pattern of truths because we've experienced them, we've believed them, we've heard people talk to us in that manner. And so all this lines up to, this is what I know. This is what everything about my senses know. Now we enter the new creation, and all of a sudden we have a whole new whole new groupings of truth that the father, our father in our new family is starting to speak to us. And that affects us. We have issues with it. Why? Because all that other stuff we've been living for a long time. 
But then you look at younger people and it's not as difficult. And the younger you go, the less difficult it is. And you think, well, how come? Well, there's only one thing that can vacate, violate, or disrupt truth. Only one thing. Do you know what that is? Don't tell me if you are an intern. What is it? Only one thing. Truth. That's it. Only truth can affect truth. Now, that truth that I'm labeling truth can be a lie, but you've established it as truth. That's the only thing that can affect it. Nothing else can. Another truth. Now, think about this. How many truths do young people have? Very few, don't they? The lower you go, the less truths they have. So what does that mean? They have the ability to receive so much truth because they don't have other truths subtracting the truth. You wish you were in an internship now, don't you? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Because now the things that have affected them as they get older are building blocks of truths that they are having in their life. All of a sudden, another truth coming in, wherever, wherever that life is affected by the amount of truth they have that contradicts the truth. That's why Christians have such a difficult time becoming new in their actions, in their thoughts, and how they live life. It's because you're still holding on to your past truths, beliefs, belief system. You're still acting your old way. You're still doing the old way. Now, you can play the religious game. I know there are people in church that you're, they're not here right now, and they've been out of church for so long, and what's happening? Because they haven't pressed in and pushed forward and, and been a part of having accountability of being here, they've slacked. And all of a sudden, now they're doing what? Reacting and acting the way they did before Jesus. It's happening all over this country. Christians are all going backwards. And there's a reason why. It takes a lot to have to turn on your internet and watch this, which is amazing to me because it really isn't, because I can guarantee you statistics will show you're on this thing more than anything else. But because it's church, it's difficult. Why? Do I suck that bad? I don't think so. And that, I'm not being proud. I just don't. I think I'm not bad. I can be, I can, people can listen to me for a while before going, all right, that's enough. We'll do part two later. But either way, what, what's the issue? The issue is the reality of there is a spiritual warfare and you're just blinded to it. There ain't no spiritual warfare for you sitting on, you know, Instagram for 20 hours, paying attention to nothing or Facebook listening to all the fake news going on about the lives that they're really not living, but they want you to see the life that they wish they were living. And everybody's sitting there going like, 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 and it's actually fake, 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 fake. And we can do that for hours and hours and hours. No big deal. Why? Because it's not a spiritual warfare. There is no spiritual thing going on. It's a messed up thing going on. That's why it's no big deal. The devil don't care. He's like, go for it. TikTok all day long. I don't care. 
Instagram all day long, Google all day. He doesn't care. But once you start moving into something that can impact your life, he's like going, ah, oh, man, sleep in, sleep in. You just watch, you watch the replay on YouTube, sleep in. Oh, it get quiet in this holy church. Everybody, you guys should be going, yeah, that's right. All those people out there, you guys are in here right now. You should be going, acting like that, acting like I don't even, this isn't even about you. You're like going, oh yeah, those guys are all messed up. But y'all looking like I stepped on some toes out there. Come on now. Now you're pressing in. You're like going, hey, let's do this, all right? Let's do this. Let's move forward. Come on, let's do this. If you're watching me, you're like going, hey, I am doing it. I know you are. Go in the bedroom and wake that one up and say, let's do this. <laughs> all right, moving right along. Pay attention. Let's go back to Bible 101. Everything I've been doing is the Father. There's a purpose. I'm going to leave. You guys got to recognize your responsibility to know this stuff. Now to Peter. John 13, 33. Little children, he's talking to his disciples. I love that. I shall be with you. A now, do you think, honestly, think he's going to be saying that to 40-year-old men? You know, what, what the religion and the world looks at. Let's look at the disciples, and you got all these old men with beards and everything. Y'all seen the movies? Come on. No, we're talking teenagers, bro. I mean, people. We're talking teenagers. Uh, the oldest one, with Peter, he's probably like about 22, 23. But these guys are young. These, all these guys are young. That's why he looks at them and goes, hey, kids. Hey, kids. All right? He goes, hey, little children. I shall be with you a little while longer. You're going to seek me. As I said to those Jews out there, you're going to seek me. But where I'm going, you can't come. So now I say to you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, having love one another. Love being defined, I'm going to speak, you know, in, in the church language, is judge every Christian you can. Just judge the heck out of them. Rip into all their weaknesses. Make sure you trash them every moment you can. That's love. No, that's not love, is it? The emphasis of Jesus is what? We've got to love one another. We've got to love one another. Amen? We've got to love one another. You want to live life? You've got to love life. Amen? That's cool. All right. And that this too, that, was, that put some power to it. <laughs> By this you'll know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Simon Peter, here he comes, here he comes. Lord, where are you going? <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> where are you going? Jesus said, Pete, where I'm going, you can't follow me now. But you're going to follow me afterwards. Jesus answered Peter. Lord, Jesus said, I'm going to be going. Peter goes, uh, where are you going? 
I'd do the same thing. If I really didn't know, where are you going, Lord? Because my attitude is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I've been following you this long. You, you're going somewhere. I'm going to. Remember, you usually take me, James, and John. I mean, you know, you can leave out the rest, but make sure you take us like you usually do. And so Peter's like going, okay, we got 12, then we usually have three. Maybe this is a onesie. Where are you going? Where I'm going, you cannot follow me. You're going to follow me afterwards, oh, Pete. Peter says to him, why can't I follow you now? Why can't I follow you now, Lord? No way. No way. No way. Not Peter. And no way Peter is monotone in his voice. Peter is probably the loudest one in the crew. He's, he's, he's the most obnoxious one in the crew. So you know he's going, why, why can't I go? <laughs> why? Are you guys seeing this? Why can't I follow you? I, I'll die for you, Jesus. Now, is he a liar? No. What is he talking out of? His pure heart, emotions. His head, everything within him is saying, wherever you go, I will go. It doesn't matter wherever. I will die for you. I will die for you. I want to go with you. Gosh, I just told you I'd die for you. I want to go. I don't want to go. I want to go. Jesus said, I love Jesus' response. Pay attention. Will you now? That's what he says. Will you now? Can you see this? Can you look at what's happening? We're seeing this picture. This, this time where Jesus is dealing with his disciples, saying, I'm going to be going. Now, we're not talking about the, everything in Israel is perfect now. They're under Roman law. They're not free people. It's not like they can do whatever they want. Their lives are still under bondage. These guys have been under bondage for hundreds of years. This is still messed up. They're not free. This isn't a good place. The planet isn't a good place. And Jesus is going, adios, I'm going. You're leaving us. I'll go. I'll go wherever you go. And by the way, I'll die for you. Will you? Peter, you're going to deny me three times, bro, in, in three hours. Now, he didn't say that. He said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. I'm just speaking the translation of mine. No way. In three hours, you, you, you're going to deny me three times, dude. You're not, you, 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 you don't even know what you're thinking about. Die for me. Can you imagine what's going on? Here he is saying, I'm out of here. I'm going to be gone. Peter's going, no, no, no. Philip's going, prove it, prove it. Thomas is going, I don't, I don't got a clue what you're talking about. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again. He's talking to the religious crowd right after he just ripped them. 
in the picture of the woman caught in adultery, these religious guys grab this woman in the act, leave their buddy alone, grab this woman, throw him at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, kill her, stone her. And he says, you stone her. Whoever doesn't have any sin, throw the first stone. And they all freaked out, just backed up. And then Jesus said, hey, where's your coosers? How come they're not throwing stones? She's like, oh, I don't know, I'm glad. And his grace is shown. This is now what happens after that moment and she walks away freed by the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He, he was making a statement of us and them. Religion will always be in darkness. Followers of Jesus will always be in light. Can a follower of Jesus get into darkness? Yeah, religion will always produce darkness, always. Darkness is always tied to legalism and law, always. It'll always make you the judge. It'll always make you speak Christianese and talk about how, how bad people are and you're doing the same thing. It's fake. It's, it's fake spiritualism. It's, I want to give you leadership principles on Facebook, but if you really knew my life, you wouldn't listen to one word I was saying. Okay, let's move right along. He says but you will have the light of life. Verse 18, I am one who bears witness of myself and the father sent me bears witness of me. They said to him, now it's their turn. Where's your father? Now these guys are cocky. I mean, these guys honestly think they know everything. Yeah, where's your father? Jesus said, you don't know me, you don't know my father. If you had known, Edu, in other words, if you had complete knowledge of me, you would have, Edu, complete knowledge of him. Christians are really good at this in the sense of we don't know God because you don't know Jesus. You know, religious Jesus and loving Jesus and Jesus with carrying the lamb and, and that Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. You, you haven't gnosko, you haven't processed the life and instruction and everything about him because if you did, then you would not look at a God that's mean and evil and hateful and angry and just fed up with all these stinking, bad, unruly, rebellious people down here. No, you wouldn't be doing that. You'd be going, no, I know my father because I know my Jesus. I know how my father thinks of me because I know how my Jesus thinks of me. I know how my father talks to me because I know how my Jesus talks to me. And he talks to me just like he talked to people back then. He wasn't ripping into them unless you're religious. 
He didn't do anything other than be a blessing, an impactor, an influencer, an exhorter, a builder. Everything about Jesus was about life. And he said, follow me and I will make you a life changer. That is the father speaking because Jesus said it. And still Christians go, oh God, Mufasa, you get all we we just don't see him correctly and we have the scripture man what is going on are we honestly that ignorant of the bible and most people got five or six of them in their house and still don't know Jesus it's being rough sometimes hey i only do what i know that will help everybody me included and give us a life that we can experience and live the way Jesus wanted us to live. Jesus said, where I'm going, you will seek me and you're gonna die in your sin nature. Where I go, you cannot go. He's talking to the religious people. He's not talking about the hooker. He's not talking about the, the woman in adultery. He's talking to the religious people saying, you ain't coming. They're not coming. Why? Because they don't believe they need him. They don't believe it. They believe their works, their laws, their legalism gets them into heaven. God's already laid it out. No, it don't. That's why I broke this thing and separated it. It's all through Jesus. All through Jesus. Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the biggest messages, the beatitudes that people know. Blessed is the peacemaker. Blessed are the pure in spirit. I mean, you hear it all the time. And so here he is talking to the disciples and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for there's a kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. And he goes over and over, blessed and blessed. And then he says this, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely slay all evil kinds. You know, you can see what's going on. Blessed are the pure heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And all of a sudden they're all going, blessed are those that rip you and try to attack you. What? You don't think they're just sitting there going, blessings, blessings. Ooh, we're getting to a rough spot. Blessings. You know once Jesus gets to this. Blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed? When people's ripping into me, I'm blessed? You stupid idiot! Don't you know how to do this? You ugly thing and I'm going to beat you. I'm blessed. Is that what you're usually thinking? Well, he said blessed. Which means empowered to prosper. How in the world can I prosper when I'm being persecuted. Mm. They falsely lie, do all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecute the prophets, they're doing it to you. They were persecuted for speaking truth for living the way they lived, they're going to go against you. I don't know about you, but that's not like the message I want to hear. I'm going to leave you, and I'm going to be going on my own, 
here, let me give you some nuggets of truths. Uh, peacemakers and stuff like that. Turn the other cheek. I mean, once maybe, but I don't know about twice, you know. And you, you go through this whole process of what Jesus is talking about. But what is he doing, really? Is he trying to sissify a follower of Jesus? Is he trying to make us the weakest people on planet Earth? What is he doing? Because if you look at it in a wrong way, that's what you're going to see. But the truth is, is he's building warriors. He's building men and women that are going to be standing and being overcomers and having victory. But when you read a lot of these things, you're thinking, I don't know how that works. I'll show you how it works right now. At the end of this, he gets to verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on a stand, gives light to everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before all that they may see. What? Church attendance? They may see how much Christianese you know. They may see how many Bible verses you memorized. No. What does Jesus want the world to see? A wimpy, soft, beat-up Christian? No. What the church, the men and women of God in this day and age, what we are to show the world is something opposite than they'd ever see. The ability to be smacked and go, I don't do a thing. The ability to have something stolen and say, you want me to help you get more? Not rob with you, but the ability to help people that shouldn't be helped. The, be able, the, the ability to love the unlovely, because you were there once. The ability to look at someone like me that I didn't deserve to have anyone spend time trying to help me because I was not being helpful or loving to them. But because of the light in their life and the salt that was operating, they were compelled to show me what? That they may see your good actions and praise the Father in heaven. What does salt do? It preserves. What's a preservative do? It stops it from decaying and rotting. Get rid of that preservative and everything goes to hell. Everything rot and decays, ultimately being destroyed. 
We are the ones that are stopping this earth from rotting. We are. We are. It's time to rise up, church. Not hide under our blankies. Scared of what's going on out there. We need to rise up. We need to rise up and impact with our fingers. Rise and impact with our thumbs. Rise and impact with our voices. Rise and impact any way we can. With the mask on, talking to a neighbor, whatever, we need to rise up and start be accountable to being the light and the salt of this earth. Because if we don't, it is going to rot and decay away. We are here. Jesus hasn't come back yet. And we have a responsibility to be responsible as far as being the salt and light of this earth. The light brings what? It brings hope. It takes away fear. Go in a dark place, a dark room, a dark night, and bring a light, and all of a sudden you feel a little better, don't you? That's what light does. Drive down a street with no lights. Turn your lights off. See how it feels. You ain't going to feel secure. You ain't going to feel safe. Turn that light off. All of a sudden it feels better. You ever lost your lights inside the car? It doesn't matter. You can see the road. Yeah, it does matter. All of a sudden, something doesn't feel right because now the lights are all gone in the inside. I can't see the speed zone. I can't speed this. I can't. And all of a sudden, because of a lack of life, you get a little weird. Take out a light in the neighborhood. You're used to having light down your streets. Take them away. What do you do? Oh, this is cool. No, it becomes, I don't like this. Why? Because light disperses darkness. Light gives the ability to bring evil out in front. Oh yeah, light is good. And light is what we need on this earth, what we need in the United States. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there are many people that are trying to put a box over the light. Are we going to get under that box? Or are we going to go? Out. You ain't put me no box. I'm light and I'm going to let it shine. This little light of me, no. This big light of me, I'm going to let it shine and blind as many people as I can. Ain't going to let it shine, let it shine, and then I'm going to let it shine. In the big light in me, we need to do the same. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.